there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Now, we've been looking at why we should love the church. Tell your neighbor why we should love the church. Now, last Sunday, I could not continue with it because we had the Alpha Male Conference, but I want to pick up from where I left. And just to do a quick recap, I gave you four reasons or five reasons why we should love the church. Was it four or five? I feel like it was five. Huh? You sure? All right, let's see. Number one, because it's a command. You remember? That we must love the church because it is a command. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. So it's a command that we've been given to be able to love the church. The second one, it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do for us to be able to love the church. It is what it means to be a Christian. You can be a Christian who hates the church. You must love the church because the church is your family. Tell your neighbor, you are my family. Then number three is so that we may saturate the church with God's love. Remember I talked about hell and how hell is devoid of God's love. So we must love the church because God wants his love to fill the church. God is love. And if he is the progenitor of the church, then the church must be filled with love. If God started the church, if God bathed the church and God is love, then we must love the church so that the church may be filled with love. And then number four, it is because the church is God's most precious possession here on earth. The Bible says that he bought us with a price. What was, the, what was the price? The life of Jesus Christ. The shedding of his spotless, blameless blood. That is how expensive the church is. And so we must love the church because it costed the life of Jesus. It costed the very life of God for the church to be born. So those are four or five. So let me give you the fifth one today. Why must we love the church? Number five, because it is the earthly expression of the heavenly kingdom. We must love the church because it is the earthly expression of the heavenly kingdom. You see, every domain has a corresponding atmosphere which triggers a relatable response. I need to say that again. Every domain has a corresponding atmosphere which triggers a relatable response. For example, when you visit a morgue or when you go to the mortuary, you're likely to see caskets, isn't it? Of family members or relatives or friends uh, of the deceased burst in tears and when you look at them, they are inconsolable. They are broken. They are in anguish. They are in pain. And when you are there, even if you don't know the person who has passed on, that environment triggers a relatable response. You will be gripped with grief. You will be surrounded with sorrow. I mean, you can be there and you're seeing you know, people weeping and wailing and you start laughing at them. That environment will trigger in you a relatable response. Response, Or if you go to a hospital, you know, if you visit a hospital, you will see, you know, wheelchairs, you will see nurses, you will see, um, you will see stretchers, you know, you will even smell, you know, medicine, you know, in the, in, in the hospital. When you walk through, you know, the corridors, you will see wards. And when you enter those wards, you will see people, people writhing in pain. Some of them have been bandaged. You know, and, and, and that environment, you know, it will trigger a relatable response. All, all of a sudden, you know, you start have, having, you know, feelings of empathy, you know, and care. You, you will feel like you need to help. You feel like you need to pray. You feel like, you know, you need to do something. That is the time you wish 
that you even had the gift of healing, isn't it? You know, to discharge every patient, you know, just to pray and say, I discharge all of you and all of them get out of, you know, uh, the wards and, and, and go home to their families. You know, that environment will trigger that kind of feeling inside of you. Or if you attend a wedding, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different uh, environment altogether. You, you will see a place decorated, you will see cars decorated, you know, you will see the bridal party, and you will see these gentlemen that are looking very handsome, I'm telling you, with their suits, with their ties, with their shirts, and then you will see the ladies are there as well, and they are looking very, very beautiful. You know, have you, have you ever asked yourself, how comes that in, in a wedding, everybody is handsome and everybody is beautiful? You know, it's just something about that environment. It's just something about that event. And, you know, in the background, you will hear music. And, and it's a romantic music. Music about love, you know. Music about marriage. Music about, you know, taking care of one another. Music about falling in love. And when you're in that environment, you'll start having these very strong emotions of love. And, and all of a sudden, even if you didn't have ideas of marriage, you start having them, you know. And, and before long, you start looking around if you're single, you know, just in case there's somebody who is looking at you as well in a certain way to see if you can connect. And sometimes it has happened that there are people who have fallen in love in a wedding. They went to attend a wedding. They just thought they are going to attend a wedding to have a great time. They're going for the reception. And as they are dancing, they realize that, hey, there's somebody there. Who is also interested and they exchange numbers and they, they go out and then they fall in love they get married so that environment triggers a relatable response you can actually go to a wedding and you start having the vision of getting married even if you said i will never get married i will never get married i will never get married these men are the same i will never get but when you enter into that environment something happens to you church is quiet Something happens to you. Or you see somebody that you thought will never be married. <laughs> Zef, I'm not looking at you. I'm, it's, it's because I'm walking up and down. You will be married in Jesus' name. And then you, you, you realize that person actually has gotten married. And, and something happens in you. You know, hope is rekindled inside of you. So that environment triggers a relatable response. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? So the church is an expression of the heavenly kingdom. That means when you come to the church, there is an atmosphere that you encounter in the church. And that, is, that atmosphere is a heavenly atmosphere. There is something that you encounter when you step into the church. The church becomes an expression of what is unseen, yet is so real. And that is the kingdom of God. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So the church is God's spiritual dominion. Oh, sorry. The church is God's spiritual domain here on earth. Let me say that again. The church is God's spiritual domain here on earth. The church is a custodian of the heavenly atmosphere, which is the presence of God. So when you step into the church, you step into an atmosphere that triggers a relatable response. When you step into the church, you experience the presence of God and our relatable response is faith, is holiness, is love, is service, is worship, is the fruit of the Spirit, and so forth and so on. So through the church, as we experience the heavenly kingdom, we desire to be more and more like Jesus. There's something that happens when you step into the church. There's something that happens to you when you step into that atmosphere. It's a heavenly atmosphere. When you step there, you are aware of the presence of God. You know God is here. You know God is speaking to you, or God is about to speak to you. You know that God is about to touch you. And so it, 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 it triggers a relatable response inside of you. Your faith rises. It's so easy to worship when you're in church. It's so easy to pray when you're in church, isn't it? Praying alone is not easy. Isn't it true? Please talk to me. What happened to you over the week? You're very quiet today. Ask your neighbor, did you have breakfast? Are you okay? 
Or, it be, or, it, or, or you're thinking about tomorrow. Are you stressed about tomorrow? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, don't worry about tomorrow. It will come and go. Or you're waiting for pastor to announce, we are having a special dinner tomorrow. Tomorrow, kill him to a Japan. So let's just clear that on the way, isn't it? Tell your neighbor, tomorrow, Nikujipa. Good. So now that is clear, out of the way, let's continue with the word, isn't it? <laughs> so when you step into the church, there is a relatable response from you, and that is faith. That is what, it becomes easy to do some things. It becomes, have, you, have you realized when we fast and we congregate, something happens to you? Isn't it true? It's different than when you fast and you're just praying by yourself. It's very different. But when we come together and we meet and we pray, you feel energized. Something rubs on you. It is the presence of God. It is the heavenly atmosphere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, Psalms chapter 132, chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. This is my resting place forever. So God has chosen the church to be his dwelling place forever. He has chosen the church to be his place of abode forever. And in fact, the Bible says he desires this dwelling place. So he desires to be in the church. When we come together, I want you to know that God is here. His presence is here. When we meet together, that heavenly atmosphere comes in the church. So right now, you are actually surrounded with a heavenly atmosphere. That's why it's good to be in church. Because when you come to church, you are coming into a heavenly atmosphere. You are surrounded with the heavenly atmosphere. So God has chosen, according to this verse, to make the church his place of dwelling. That's why we experience this atmosphere, the heavenly atmosphere, when we congregate together as a church. Tell your neighbor, God is here. Let's tell them one more time, God is here. We thank God for the virtual whatever services. It's, it's fantastic, but it cannot replace in person. Because as we come, God also comes. As we congregate, God also shows up. And we experience that heavenly atmosphere. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Very powerful verse. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. But you have come. Read, read with me. But you have come. Look at it and tell them I have come. Mm, they didn't hear you. Tell them one more time. I have come. Yes, can we finish the verse? But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. This is, hmm, this is the city of the living God. The city of transformation is the city of the living God. Hallelujah. Then the, it says, the heavenly Look at that, Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels. So that means God is here, the heavenly atmosphere is here, and the angels are here as well. Isn't this powerful? Hallelujah. May the angel release what you need this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, shout aloud, Amen. May the angel release a beautiful Valentine gift for you. Amen. <laughs> uh, I had somebody's thoughts. They say, Pastor, don't say a thing. Say a man <laughs> or a woman. Whatever you desire, may the angels release in your life in Jesus' name. Then verse 23, what does it say? Hmm. Move quickly. To the general assembly and the church 
of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Tell your neighbor, my name is registered in heaven. To God, look at that, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Even the spirits of just men congregate with us. Not drunkards. Just men. It is an assembly. Tell your neighbor it's an assembly. Now, verse 24. Let me just finish the verse, then I go deeper. To this, even Jesus is here. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood, even the blood is here, of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So that tells you something that when you don't show up, these are the things you miss. It's a general assembly. God is there. The heavenly atmosphere is there. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is there. The blood of Jesus is there as well. Angels are there as well. The spirits of just men are there as well. It is a powerful assembly. I remember when we were in school, we used to attend the assembly. Do you remember the assembly? I mean, you were not supposed to miss the assembly. Everybody was to attend the assembly. And you come, you are looking very nice, you're looking very smart. In our school, I don't know about our, your school, but in our school, everybody knew where they were supposed to stand in the assembly. The form fours knew where they were supposed to stand. The form threes knew where they were supposed to stand. The form twos knew where they were supposed to stand. And the form ones had their corner. If a form one tries to go and stand where the form fours are, they could beat him. So all of us were supposed to attend the assembly in church. That's where we were given instructions. Hallelujah. I was a deputy head boy and I was tasked with the responsibility of preparing a speech during the general assembly. I used to cram speeches, listen to speeches, and come and surprise the students and the teachers. With vocabularies. <laughs> so this thing did not start the other day. <laughs> so it was a general assembly. Everybody was there. The HM was there. The principal was there. The teachers were there. The master on duty was there. The prefects were there. The head boy was there. The deputy head boy was there. Oh, everybody was there. That is the same picture we see in the church. That when God calls for a general assembly, everybody should be there. Because when you come, God is there. Jesus is there. His blood is there. The heavenly atmosphere is there. And that will cause us to actually relate with God on a, on a, on a different level. So when you don't come, you don't interact with his blood. When you don't come, you don't interact with his angels. When you don't come, you don't experience that heavenly atmosphere. That's why it can never be the same. Even if you watch online, it can never be the same. Being here, the feel is different. The touch is different. The experience is different. Am I saying the truth? So the church is an expression of the heavenly kingdom. Now, number six. The church, number six, why we should love the church is because it is your altar of sacrifice. The church is your altar of sacrifice. Now, in the Bible, when men erected an altar unto God, it caught his attention. For example, when Abel built an altar and offered fatlings and the fat thereof, the Bible says that God had respect unto his offering. God had respect unto him and his offering, and God released favor upon his life. When Noah got out of the ark, in fact, when I did a study, I realized that Noah must have been in the ark for almost a year. Almost a year in the ark, waiting for the water to subside for him to come out. Almost a year. It's not 40 days. It's almost a year he was in the ark with all these animals inside. 
When he got an altar and sacrificed to God. Then the Bible says, the Lord smelled a sweet savor and swore not to cast the ground again. The altar made God make a decision not to destroy or to cast the ground again. When Elijah built an altar, when he was just about to destroy the prophets of Baal and put sacrifice on it, the Bible says fire came from heaven. He did not light the fire. The fire that consumed the sacrifice literally came from heaven. And remember, Elijah had poured a lot of water on the sacrifice. But you see, the fire of God can consume anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it is that altar that attracted fire from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. When David built an altar and offered burnt, sacrifice, uh, burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord, the Bible says that the plague that was ravaging the Israelites was stopped. So you can see that everywhere you see an altar erected unto God, it attracts his presence. God is attracted to an altar that is erected in his name. So the church is an altar erected for God. I say that again. The church is an altar erected for God. I'll say the third time. The church is an altar here on earth that has been erected for who? For God. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4. Give me the scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 4. Then the king and all the people, this is King Solomon, and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Keep going. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls. Those are many. And 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Verse 6. And the priests attended to their services, the Levites also with instruments of the music of the Lord, which David had made to praise the Lord, saying, For his mercy endures forever. Whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. Verse 7. Furthermore, Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord. Please, are you following what we are reading? Because he keeps on talking about the house of the Lord, isn't it? For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze, bronze altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat. Now jumped, jump to verse 12. Let's see what is happening here. Then, look at that. After the offerings were offered on the altar, what happened? The Lord appeared to Solomon by night. You see, every time you sacrifice, God shows up. God is not attracted with stinginess or to stinginess. Every time you erect an altar and sacrifice, God will appear. God will show up. That's why Christianity is best on sacrifice. The, 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 the foundation, the bedrock of our Christian faith is sacrifice. So where you see an altar erected, where you see a sacrifice being offered to God, he will always show up. And when Solomon offered all these sacrifices in the temple, God appeared to him in a dream. Let's finish this verse. I love it. Verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place. Which place is that? The house of God for myself as a house of sacrifice. So the house of God, which is the church, is the house of sacrifice. That's why I told you that the church is an altar erected unto God. And so when we come to the church, I want you to know that you have come to the altar. Hallelujah. Yes. This is Siokimao altar. <laughs> Only Dennis understands what I said. <laughs> this is Siokimao altar. <laughs> 
or those who hear altars all over the place, isn't it? So when we come, when we come to church, we are coming to an altar. The house of God, put up that verse again. The house of God is the house of sacrifice. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So when you come to my house, you are coming to sacrifice. Every time you come to my house, you are coming to sacrifice. Every time you come to my house, I'm excited because something is going to die. And the smoke and the smell of that burnt offering will be a pleasing aroma in the sight of God or in the nostrils of God. So every time we meet, God is expecting a sacrifice. God is looking forward to a sacrifice. That's why we should never come before him without a sacrifice because he's waiting for something to die so that he may be able to enjoy the aroma that is coming out of that thing that we have actually burnt on the altar for God. Do you understand? Hallelujah. And as we sacrifice, he will always appear. I pray because of your giving today, may God appear to you in Jesus' name. May God appear to you at night. May God appear to you during this week. May God appear to you in your endeavors. Every time you sacrifice, you will attract God's favor, God's attention in your life. Can I hear louder? Amen. Can we go deeper? First Peter chapter 2. Let's go deeper. How many want us to go deeper? Can we go deeper? Can you handle deep? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Give me the scripture quickly. You also, you also. Tell your neighbor it's me. You also as living stones. King James uses the word lively. Lively stones. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in the New Testament, we are offering what we call spiritual sacrifices. We no longer need bulls. We no longer need, need doves and goats to die in our place because Jesus became our ultimate sacrifice. But it doesn't mean that we become stingy. The Bible says that we as lively stones, we are built up a spiritual house. Spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable, acceptable to God by who? By Jesus Christ. So we don't bring bulls to slaughter them to cover for our sins because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross and he said it is finished. So we don't have to do that. But the Bible still requires you and I to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God because the church is the house of sacrifice. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The church is your altar of sacrifice. You love the church because that's the place where you come to sacrifice. You sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? You are sacrificing spiritual sacrifices. And you are offering them unto God. And I want to go deeper and explain to you what spiritual sacrifices are. So that we may continue to offer them unto God. There are five acceptable spiritual sacrifices found in the New Testament that we need to offer unto the Lord when we come in his presence. Number one, it is our spiritual fruit. Somebody say spiritual fruit. These are people we have led to Christ. Romans chapter 15, verse 15 to 16. The Bible says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles, look at that, the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is talking about him ministering to the Gentiles, the gospel of God, and he says that offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified 
by the Holy Spirit. So the offering of the Gentile believers unto the Lord is an acceptable offering. And which offering is this? This is the offering of getting the Gentiles saved. When you preach to them and they get saved, they turn away from their wicked ways and they turn towards God and they begin to worship God. In the sight of God, that is a sacrifice that is acceptable to him. So the church, my goodness, this is powerful. So the church becomes that altar where people who are not saved can come, experience the heavenly atmosphere or the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then they turn their, their hearts towards God, and as they're making that transition, it becomes a sacrifice in the house of God, and it becomes acceptable in the sight of God. That's why you must always have spiritual fruit because it's a sacrifice. It is a spiritual sacrifice that God wants you to offer unto him on a daily basis. So when you invite a sinner and they come to church, they are likely to get saved. You see, people are likely to get saved in the church than out there. Because in the church, the atmosphere is there. And the spirit of God is there. The blood is there. Oh, Jesus, help me preach. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is there. God is there. Angels are there. The blood to wash them clean is there as well. So when they make that transition, it becomes a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. But many of us, we don't offer this sacrifice because we don't invite our friends who are not born again to church. We don't invite our neighbors to church. We don't invite our colleagues to church. But if every believer decided that they're going to invite someone who is not born again to drag them to church, I'm telling you, we'll be having this sacrifice being offered to God every Sunday, every week. Church is very quiet. Valentine will come and go. Number two. Another spiritual sacrifice is our good works. The Bible says we should offer spiritual sacrifices. It's our, it's our good work. Our good works. Hallelujah. Not our good works to save us, but our good works, which is the overflow of the salvation we have already received. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, but, to, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do not forget to do good. And to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So the church is a platform of good works. The church is a place where you are educated to engage in good works. The church is where you are inspired to do good, to become generous, to share. Because all of us naturally, we are selfish. Very selfish. Look at your child. You can give your child something, and when you want it back, the child refuses to give it back. Isn't it true? You, you can give your child, like, a slice of bread. And they'll say, give me back, and the child will squeeze that slice of bread in the hand. Because naturally, we are selfish. Isn't it true? You are seated on a table somewhere, you are eating, then you tell somebody, can I test your piece of chicken. You say, if you wanted chicken, you should have ordered. We're very selfish. Very, very selfish. In nature, we are selfish. That's why you see that we even fight for packing. <laughs> That's how selfish we are. And when you, when, 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 when you grab somebody's, somebody was waiting for that packing, waiting for it for like 30 minutes. And you saw an opportunity. <laughs> then you go and park your car there. Leaving that person struggling. Maybe they are struggling to turn on the engine of their car. Then look at you the way you are coming out of the car. It's like you have achieved something very great. We are selfish. We are selfish in nature. So when we come to church, we are taught to engage in good works. Amen? 
we are told to share the good that we have. So the church becomes a place where you are challenged to be able to offer this spiritual sacrifice of good works. Amen. So through the church, you find yourself feeding the poor. You find yourself clothing the naked. You find yourself taking care of those who are not really, really blessed in the society today. There is something that happens to you. God changes your heart. And also through the church, we are able to minister to the society. Like, you know, we've been ministering to some orphans for the last, like, I think more than five years. It's only that we don't make noise about it. There are things I don't like making noise about it. But we've been committed for over five years, feeding them, taking them food, clothing, whatever we can do, just to ensure they're okay. Because in this era of selfies and phones, anything you do as you're helping the poor, It's very sad. Isn't it sad? When you visit a widow and you take shopping. Ask your neighbor, have you ever done this? What pastor is demonstrating? Then we upload it on social media. Wow. We are looking for likes. Then people say, we want such Christians. And it makes you feel very nice, isn't it? <laughs> but Jesus said, you already have received your reward. You wanted likes. That's all you receive. Since the likes you wanted. That's all you receive. That's why I'm, I'm not very quick to splash all these things every now and then. Because I want my reward to come from heaven. I want this church to be blessed genuinely by taking care of the orphans. Yeah, because some of you say, oh, we see other people posting. How comes our church we don't post? It's like we don't do anything. We are doing a lot. But we know our reward is in heaven. It's heavenly rather. Amen. So through the church, we're able to offer that spiritual sacrifice to take care of those who are needy. Amen. Number three, are you with me? I'm going somewhere. Another spiritual sacrifice we are supposed to offer is praise. Somebody say praise. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So your praise is another spiritual sacrifice. That you are supposed to offer unto God. Our verbal expression of praise is a spiritual sacrifice unto God. Our verbal expression of praise and bodily expression of praise. So it is verbal and bodily. You are saying it and you are moving. As you are doing that, you are offering a spiritual sacrifice unto God. Hallelujah. That's why I believe in praise. I believe in singing. I believe in dancing. I believe in clapping of hands. I believe in jumping. I believe in doing all these things because I am offering a spiritual sacrifice unto God. I have come to the house of God. I have come to the house of sacrifice. I have come to the church, the altar of God, to offer this spiritual sacrifice unto God. You know, there are people who come to church and they feel very important. You will think they are God. You think they are the ones we are praising. They don't move, they don't clap, they don't shout, they don't sing, they cannot lift their hands. It's like they're being pushed. It's like they're being, you know, coerced to be able to do it. Remember, you are a priest in the New Testament. Look at them and tell them you are a priest. Yes, you are a priest. And when you come to the house of God, you have come to the house of sacrifice. You have come to a place where you need to offer praise as your spiritual sacrifice unto God. So you can clap. You can shout, you can dance, you can move, you can do what the worship leader is telling you to do because you understand that I have come to the house of sacrifice to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. So when you come and you're quiet, it is stinginess, which is not good. But when you come and open your mouth and begin to praise God, God receives your praise. Hallelujah. Can I hear a better amen? 
Why don't you clap your hands and give God praise for a minute? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, when you do that, you even look better. Not the way you were serious before. You look better. You look comely. Do you understand? Yes. It's a sacrifice. Tell your neighbor, it's a sacrifice. Yeah, but you see people come to church. It's like they want to fight. Fight the worship leader. They are resisting the worship leader. They are resisting the songs. They are resisting everything. Some even sit down and refuse to stand, refuse to move. Are you the one? <laughs> Ask your neighbor, are you the one person is talking about? You came to offer a sacrifice. You didn't, you didn't just come to visit us. You came to offer a sacrifice. You've come to the house of sacrifice. And it's the house of God. And you're supposed to offer what? Spiritual sacrifices unto God. And praise is a spiritual sacrifice unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you dance for the Lord? A good dance, I see. Without music. You see, some of you are saying, oh, we need music. But when you're in the bathroom, so you dance alone. Some of you are not dancing, you are stretching. Are you able to lift your hands? Lift up your hands. Wow. Look at the way it's beautiful. Are you able to stand? Stand and lift up your hands. It's beautiful. This is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. And, and, and as you're lifting up your hand, look, is it a nice thing? Is it a comfortable thing? Please be honest. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you know we are in church. If you lie, it's not good. L lift your hand. Is it a comfortable thing to do? Is it something you can do for an hour? The reason why it's not comfortable is because it's a sacrifice. You have to make yourself do it. You don't wait for the worship leader to say, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand again. Lift up your hand. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. You are offering what? Spiritual sacrifices unto God. Please be seated. It's a sacrifice. Is sitting down comfortable? Very. So you can say, oh me, I'm just praising God on my seat. Just praising God in my heart. Just praising God in my mind. No, you're too comfortable. God cannot accept such a sacrifice. It has to cost you. It has to pain you. It has to task you something, strength, comfort. It has to pull something out of you. You understand? So when you dance, you get tired. But Dennis is not yet done. <laughs> you have to keep going. You lift up your hands and you start feeling a, a, a fluid. Do you feel like a fluid somewhere here? Tell me, but shake it. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. It's a sacrifice, and you have to offer that sacrifice unto God. Praise the Lord. Number, number four is your body. You offer your body. You bring your body to the altar. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your bodies a living sacrifice. That's another sacrifice you offer. It's your body. You have to slaughter your body. You have to crucify your body. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. Another translation says which is your spiritual worship. So your body has to be sacrificed. Your body has to be mortified. Your body has to be crucified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the body, I'm telling you, the body fights. 
The body fights things of the spirit. The body rejects things of the spirit. So you have to take the body, crawl on the altar, come to church, lay your body down and say, today I'm slaughtering you because I want the spirit man inside of me to be strong. Look, can I tell you something? If you don't succeed in bringing your flesh under control, it will drive you crazy. That thing that you wash every day. <laughs> that thing that you perfume every day. That thing that you feed every day. If you don't bring it under control, if you don't keep on bringing it in the house of God and slaughtering it, it will drive you crazy. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because the flesh is always fighting the spirit. The flesh is always fighting God. The flesh is always going against the works of God. That's why, look, coming to church, I want you to know, it is helping you to crucify your flesh. Because the church is an altar. That's why you see on Saturday you repent. <laughs> oh God, forgive me tomorrow I'm going to your house. I don't want to die. <laughs> forgive me. Lord, you know Ananias went to church and he died. You repent. Sunday you repent. Morning you repent. Me, I remember I grew up in a church where I remember when I was young, um, I used to ask my mom, why are people, when they enter the church, they look down? Everybody, when they enter, they sat down, they look down. They sat down, they look So I asked mom, what is, what is on the floor? What are they seeing? Because I wanted my mom to explain to me, is there something mystical that they see on the ground that I'm not seeing? Because even me, when I enter and I look down, I don't see anything. <laughs> then she told me when they enter, the reason why they look down is because they are repenting. They are talking to God. They are asking God to have mercy on them. I said, oh, but they can also look up. He said, I think it's just a tradition. But maybe because of sins, you can't look up. <laughs> you look down. So the body has to be crucified. Hallelujah. Drag your body to church every Sunday. Something is happening to it. Yes, you're bringing it under control. Hallelujah. You see, what, what makes people stop following God, first of all, is their flesh. Is their flesh. Don't say it's the devil, it's your flesh. Tell your neighbor, it's your flesh, flesh. The flesh, the flesh has taken charge of you. Now, when the flesh takes charge of you, church is not attractive anymore. The word of God is not attractive anymore. Preaching is not attractive anymore. Other things that are appealing to the flesh become attractive to you. That's why you don't feel like you should come. Because you say, oh, if I go, they will judge me. We are not judging you. We are crucifying the flesh. Oh, please help me preach. Oh, you know, I stopped going to church because every time I go to church, they are judging me. That church is full of people who are just judging me. They have taken the place of God. When the pastor is preaching, he's judging me. His message is full of judgment. His scriptures are full of judgment. It is not judgment. We are attacking the flesh. Oh, yes. I should attack you. You're quiet. I say I should attack you. I should say what you did last night. Ask you, what did you do last night? Aya. <laughs> Aya. Some of you cannot even talk to your neighbors. You don't have confidence. I should attack you. I should attack your flesh. Because this is the house of sacrifice. The more you come, the more the flesh is crucified. The more you come, the more the flesh is crucified. That's why Paul says, I urge you. I urge you, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Hmm. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Another translation. Glory to God. If you come to church and you don't say, ouch, something is wrong. 
We are not reaching the flesh. We are not touching the flesh. We are not crucifying the flesh. You must say, ouch. You must say, oh, man, I feel something was touched about my character, about my attitude, about my speech, about my thoughts, about my imagination. Something was touched about how I, I, I relate with people. Something, 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 something. That word attacked something in my life. As, 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 as you embrace the word of God, you'll be having those moments because you've come to the altar of sacrifice. Glory to God. Number huh? number five is our resources. Remember, I'm still on number point number six. Our resources. Somebody say our resources. So the church is also a place where we present our resources. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house. The storehouse is the church. We bring our tithes to the church. We bring our offerings to the church. Not to Red Cross or NGOs. We bring them to the church because the church is the house of sacrifice. We are coming to sacrifice our resources. We are coming to sacrifice the things that God has blessed us with to return to him so that we may be able to ensure that there is food in his house. This food is for what? It's to ensure that the work of God continues. Glory to God. Is to ensure that the doors of the church are still open. You see, one of the things that really make me sad is when, when I hear that a church closed because of lack of resources. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. That a church could not sustain even paying rent. I remember there's one time another pastor came to see me and he had a debt up to his eyeballs. For a church premise, they couldn't pay. And it was only 5,000 shillings. My heart was broken. When I hear churches closed because they can't pay bills, or there's another padlock on the churches get because they can't, it, it breaks my heart. So it's a place of generosity. We bring our resources so that the church can continue. The church can continue. And the church should continue. Hallelujah. I said the church should continue. Yeah, Look, if, if you're part of a church, if you're part of a church and the church closes because the church cannot pay its bills, I'm telling you, it is shame on you. Because it shows that believers in... Hallelujah. One day. <laughs> Another lady came and saw us in the office and said, Pastor... I was not able to come on Sunday, but I came on a Saturday and I placed my tithe in the late offering um, basket. So I just want to confirm if you received the tithe. So we went to the record, we checked and said, your tithe has not reflected. He said, but I brought it on Saturday. So we say, who was around when you came? He said, the caretaker was around. I'll finish that story another day. <laughs> So the church did not receive her tithe, yet she had given, but the caretaker took the tithe. So when we followed, we realized that the caretaker has been helping himself from the late offering that people were bringing and the late tithes that people were bringing after the service is over. That's why I removed the late offering box. We used to have it behind the church, if you remember. Yeah. So sometimes it can be that. But most of the time it's because believers have become stingy. They are not giving. May this church never close. In Jesus' name. May never any branch under COT close because of lack of resources in Jesus' name. That believers will become generous. They will understand that the church is my place of sacrifice. I am going to sacrifice. And as they give, the church will continue preaching. The church will continue growing. The church will build churches. The ministry will build churches. The ministry will send missionaries. The ministry will do, uh, will, will, will expand in other continents, will expand in other counties, will expand in other countries because there are resources which are available to make the work of the ministry possible. Hallelujah. If you take sacrifice out of Christianity, it remains a mere shell. Did you hear what I said? If you take sacrifice out of Christianity, it remains a mere shell. 
It is sacrifice that birthed Christianity. It is sacrifice that brought us to where we are today. It is sacrifice that made God say, I forgive these people. Now they have become my children. It is sacrifice that made Jesus say it is finished. So when you take the principle of sacrifice out of Christianity, the power is gone. Number seven, the last one. It is the place of supernatural stirrings. It is the place of supernatural stirring. Why must we love the church? Because it is your place of supernatural stirrings. A report published by the World Health Organization revealed that suicide cases happen impassively in moments of crisis. This is during a breakdown in the ability in someone to deal with life stresses such as financial problems, relationship breakup, or chronic pain and illness. When somebody goes through this, a relationship has broken, there's a lot of pain, excruciating pain, they can't relieve it, or they have problems, and the problems don't seem to be going away. Sometimes the only way they think is best for them is to commit suicide. In Kenya here, according to the police, more than 500 people took their lives in the first six months of the year 2021, maybe because of COVID as well, and more than in all of 2020. So yesterday, the uh, sorry, last year, the first six months, we had more people committing suicide, more than the ones who committed suicide in the year 2020. So it's like the cases are rising. The youngest person to ever take their life in this country was nine year, a nine-year-old child. A nine-year-old is a child, isn't it? And the oldest was 76 years old. So you can see that it does not respect age. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the rise in suicide cases is attributed to stress. People are demotivated. And people believe that there is no solution to their problem. They lack the will to fight for their dreams, to overcome obstacles, to resolve problems, or to seek for solutions in what they are going through. And so they see suicide as the only way out of their misery. And that's why we must have the church. Because the church is the platform of supernatural stirrings. It is in the church that you receive hope. You know, one day, one somebody, somebody asked me, you, 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 pastor, what, what, what do you offer? Because when I look at Safaricom, they offer airtime, they offer, um, they offer airtime, they offer internet, they offer all these things. When I look at the banks, banks, they offer financial aid, whatever, all these things, whatever. You, you as a pastor, what do you really offer? <laughs> I told him, I offer, I offer hope. Because without hope, with your money, you will commit suicide. Without hope, with your nice job, you will commit suicide. So I offer hope. He said, I've never seen it like that. I said, now you're seeing it. I can even encourage you right now. Do you need encouragement? <laughs> we offer hope because the church is a place of stirring. Look, hope is powerful. Hope tells you that even if you are down, one day you will rise. Am I preaching to the right crowd in this house? Hope tells you that even if you are broke today, one day you will have money. Hope tells you that even if you are single today, maybe tomorrow, during Valentine, somebody might see you. Hope is powerful. The church is a place of stirring. You come broken. You come, you have lost hope. You come, you're feeling like you can't do it. But after the sermon, something rises inside of you. There is a stirring in your soul. And you say, wait a minute. I think I can dream again. I think I can do it again. I think I can start a business. I think I can have this vision. I think I can be a pastor. I think I can run a church. I think I can get married. I think I can have children. I think I can dream again. I think I can start a company. I think I can start a farm. Hope is powerful. There is a stirring that happens when you come to the house of God. The Bible says in Judges chapter 13 verse 25, Give me that verse quickly. Judges. Ooh, I wish I had time. And the spirit of the Lord 
began to move upon him. Who is this? Samson. He began to move upon him at Mahani, Dan, between Zorah and Ishtaol. Now, give me from the NIV translation of the Bible. You see, this is Samson. He came to a particular place and there was a stirring. <laughs> he came to a particular place and there was what? A stirring. And the spirit, can we read it together? And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanidan between Zora and Ishtaol. The spirit did not stir him somewhere else. It stirred him at that particular spot. So there are places when you step into, there is a stirring of the spirit. And those places are churches where the heavenly atmosphere is, where the angels are, where the blood of Jesus is, where Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant is. I mean, you cannot be in such an environment and remain the same. will definitely happen in your heart. Something will definitely happen in your life. Am I preaching to the right people in this place? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you, sometimes you wake up and you feel like you don't want to go to work. Isn't it? Can we be real this morning? Sometimes you don't even want to jump out of your bed. You are tired. You feel lethargic. You don't want to go to the same old office. Because some things can be routine until you get bored. Same boats, same office, same paperwork, same computer, same seat, same desk, same food, same curtains, same people. Everything is the same, same, same. And think until life becomes monotonous. You don't feel like waking up. You have no energy. You have no motivation. You don't feel like doing anything. Sometimes you wake up, you don't feel like showering. You say you will shower when you're going to bed. I'm preaching real good in this house. You don't feel any motivation. Sometimes you don't even feel like going to church. You don't even feel like praying. You don't even feel like serving. That's why people say, I want to take a break. Because they feel like something is missing. But look, the moment you come to church, you will always experience a stirring. The Bible says that Samson experienced a stirring in a particular place. The church is a place of stirring. That's why some of you, when you came to church, you could not sing. Now you can sing. A stirring took place. Some of you came, you could not even talk before people. Now you can grab a microphone and speak. A stirring took place. Some of you, when you came, you didn't even know how to dress. A stirring took place. Some of you could not even pray. I mean, they told you, pray. You say, hey, how? Where do I start from? But now, you even begin with tongues. You speak in tongues for like three minutes before you pray. What happened to you? A stirring took place in your life. And now you're believing God for great things. You, you had very small dreams. Now you have big dreams. Your dream was just to have a Subaru, a two-bedroom house. And the two-bedroom house is not in the city, it's in the village. But a stirring has taken place. Now you are believing God for a flat. Am I, am I preaching to the right crowd in this house? A, a stirring has taken place because you can see that there are things that if God is on your side, you can be able to do them. Oh my God. He who began a good work in me, he shall complete it. Though my beginning might be small, my letter end shall be greater. This morning before I finish, I want to speak hope in your heart. I want to speak strength in your life. I want to speak encouragement in your life today. I want to prophesy over your life today that what you think you can do, God says you can do it. What you are dreaming of that you can have, God says you can have it. What you are visualizing in your head right now about your future, God says you can have it in the name of Jesus. May hope fill your heart. May hope fill your mind. May hope fill your life. May you know even if you are low, you can be lifted. Even if you are weak, you can be strengthened. Even if you don't have a car, you can drive well. Even if you're living in a rented house, house, you can own houses in the name of Jesus. I speak hope in your life. I speak hope in your heart. 
I speak hope in your spirit. May you live here pregnant with hope that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Let's stand to our feet. Love the church. Because it's your place of starring. Can we raise our hands for a minute? Is there anyone here almost giving up? You can talk to God and receive hope in the name of Jesus. Anyone who is on, who is on the verge of quitting, may you receive hope this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak hope. I speak strength. I speak a story in the hearts of your children this morning. Some of them are discouraged. Some of them are broken. Some of them are on the verge of giving up. I pray may they not give up. May hope be rekindled in their hearts in the name of Jesus. May they live here stirred up. Let there be a stirring. Let there be a stirring. Let there be a stirring in their hearts. Let there be a stirring in their lives. Father, as you stirred up Samson and you awaken gifts and talents inside of him, I pray that may you awaken gifts and potential inside of us today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands and receive hope. Receive a stirring right now for your dream, for your vision, for your family, for your future. May your potential be stirred up. May the gift inside of you be stirred up. May the giant that is asleep inside of you arise right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone that is weak, may they receive strength. Anyone that is feeling low, may they be lifted. Anyone that stopped dreaming, May they dream again. Anyone that felt like they have been forgotten, may they be remembered. Do something spectacular in the lives of your children this week. May they know that something happened when they showed up in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. We all shout a big amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.